Well, it's really great to be here. Uh, Grace Covenant's been a, uh, it's been a huge, huge blessing around the world. And maybe you, don't, maybe you don't know that, but I can tell you our church in Berlin has been one of the churches that has been blessed really by this house. Um, Pastor Jim and Angie Critcher have visited us a couple of times and have really poured into our church in tremendous ways. And uh, it's, uh, for me, it's a great, really a great honor to be here. It's been great spending time with Pastor Duke and Kathy. Uh, they've been tremendous hosts. Uh, and so um, I'm probably going to go back to Germany a few pounds heavier. <laughs> so I've got that to look forward to. Um, so uh, my family, like, like Pastor Duke mentioned, so that's our family there. So we've got my wife Ramona. On the far side, then we've got Caleb, who's seven next to me, Lucy May in the middle, and Judah over there on, the, on your left. And so there's seven, five, and three. So that means our house is never boring. Um, there's always someone running around. Um, but they're a great joy, and uh, um, I'm missing them a lot. <laughs> so I've been, uh, I've been away for about two weeks from them, and I'm looking forward to, get, to seeing them. But... They are, uh, they're, they're excited about what God's doing as well. Like Pastor Duke mentioned, we're about to plant a church in Glasgow. And, uh, we, and we're just excited to see what God is doing all, all over the world. You know, um, have you ever been in a situation where you had, to, you had to let go of one thing to really hold on to another thing? And it didn't really work to do both. So when I was in, when I, was, I think it was probably my first like, youth camp when I was in high school, we went, I grew up in South Africa, like Pastor Duke mentioned, and we went to this, we went out um, into the kind of the countryside to this like youth camp, and we were going to, the, 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 the guides took us on this, um, on, this, on this walk, and part of the walk involved walking across this bridge that was going over a big, deep kind of ravine, you know, big gorge, and the idea was that you walked across the bridge halfway, and then you climbed over the railings of the bridge. You climbed over this big kind of pipe that was next to the bridge. And you got locked into a harness. And then you were supposed to repel with a rope all the way down into the gorge. And um, now I live in Germany. In Germany, you would have to like, sign a whole bunch of indemnity forms and like, wa- you know, like waivers to make sure nobody gets sued or anything like that. In South Africa, they're just kind of like, oh, you'll be fine. <laughs> so... Um, and so, uh, so I, I was a real city boy. I grew up in the city. And so, so this was all quite new for me. And so uh, a lot of people, a lot of us were, were kind of, uh, you know, they cl- would climb over the edge of the first railing and then climb onto the pipe. And then just at the point where you're locked in, you're holding onto the pipe, you're holding onto your rope, and you just don't want to let go of the pipe. <laughs> now, some people were really, really scared at that point. I may or may not have been one of those people. But I realized that in order to really enjoy the experience of rappelling down into this gorge, which looked, a lot, looked like a lot of fun, I had to let go of something else. And here we're, we're, we're in Galatians chapter 2 tonight, verse 20, and that's really what Paul is talking about. He's talking about letting go of one thing, holding on to another thing to really experience what you're created for. Just a bit of context here. So the book of Galatians, Paul's writing to these Christians who are basically trying to hold on to two things. They're trying to hold on to their their newfound faith in Jesus 
and they're trying to hold on to the Jewish law. And Paul says, well, actually, you know what? One of my other kind of leaders, uh, or other co-leaders, Peter, he had a similar problem. Paul said, I found him, I found Peter in Antioch, and he was, he was preaching grace, and he was preaching that everybody was one in Christ, both Jew and Gentile, but then in practice, he, was, he wasn't eating with the Gentile believers. He was eating with the Jewish believers because he, he felt pressurized by these Jewish believers to do so. Peter, by the way, has, a, has quite a, a complicated relationship with peer pressure. You, you, might, you might have seen that through his life. And so Paul says, Paul's telling the Galatians, this is what happened, and he starts to correct Peter, and he starts explaining what he said to Peter, and then he uses kind of his correction of Peter as a lesson for the Galatian church. And so we get to verse 20, and Paul says this. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now, I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There's four kind of movements here. Just in the short verse, there's kind of four different things that are going on. And I'm, going to call those, I'm going to call those tonight death, dwelling, dependence, and devotion. So Paul starts, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. Paul's saying that the old way of doing things, the old way of thinking about things, about feeling good about myself, that has been put to death. Now Paul, Paul knew all about this. I mean, if you know about Paul, he'd been kind of the poster boy for, for, like, for the Pharisees. You know? If you'd gone to the Pharisees' website, you would have seen a picture of Paul there with an endorsement saying, be like me, become a Pharisee, call 1-800-TORAH. <laughs> Paul, you know, he, tells, he gives you his, his biography and you see that, it's, that from the beginning of his life he'd been groomed to be this, this Pharisee, to be this super religious guy who did everything right, who did everything to show himself approved to God, to, do, to be righteous before God. He'd worked hard his entire life. Never stopped. But then he has this encounter with Christ, and everything changes. Now, most of us don't have that kind of background, but we all have ways of feeling good about ourselves. You know, whether we think, hey, I'm, I'm like a really good, I'm a really good, I'm a moral person. Or we think, hey, I'm really successful. I've got a nice big house, I've got nice, a nice car. Or we think, I'm just, we think, hey, I'm really intelligent. We think I'm good looking. Yeah? These are things that every, we all have ways of kind of feeling good about ourselves, about giving ourselves value, giving ourselves worth. And Paul says, when you encounter Jesus, that gets crucified. That dies. The thing that you were trusting in has no meaning anymore. That attempt at self-righteousness has been killed. And he says crucified. He doesn't say that was kind of just put to sleep at the cross or that, kind of went, that got a bit sick at the cross or went into a coma. No, he says it was 
It was crucified. It was killed. I think a lot of us, and I know I'm guilty of this myself, a lot of us are trying to live out of something that's already been crucified. We're trying to live, we're trying to give ourselves value in a way that has actually been killed with Jesus at the cross. Any attempt to use our gifts, our personality, our successes, any attempt to earn favor with God or with people has been crucified at the cross. Paul goes on then, he talks about, he says, well, that doesn't stop there. He says, but now Christ lives in me. So there was a death and there was a life happening at the same moment. And this is something that we hear a lot. If you've been in church for a while, you'll have heard this. Oh, Jesus, Jesus lives in me. But the question is, do, is, it a, is, it a, is it a lived reality? Like when you wake up in the morning and you've got this huge list of things that are overwhelming you, people you've got to meet or, or things you've got to plan or bills you have to pay or conflicts that you have to resolve, do you think it's me who has to do all of this? Or do you think it's me with Christ in me who has to face these things? Because there's a huge difference. Because his life is never-ending. His strength is never-ending. His peace is never-ending. And it's him who now lives inside of you. And so in your darkest moments, when you, think, when you think things can't get any worse, or when there's crazy spiritual warfare going on, and there's a voice that comes to you and says, and says you can't do this. You're by yourself in this. You're stuck, there's no way out. When that voice comes to you, what needs to come out of your mouth is, I'm not alone here. Christ is inside of me. The very power of God. Like we sang tonight, the power of God that spoke the universe into existence. The power of God that rose Jesus from the dead. This is the power that's living inside of you. It hasn't gone away just because you don't feel it doesn't mean it's not there. And, the, and, that's, and so that has to be a reality for us. Jesus promised us. He said, I never leave you nor forsake you. When you wake up, is that how, is that, are those the thoughts that are going through your mind? Or do you allow just the weight of the world's stress and the weight of the problems that, are, that you're facing? To crush you. Because they will crush you. They will crush me. None of us are strong enough. None of us are, are, none of us are clever enough or, or wealthy enough or anything to, do, to fix all the problems that need to be fixed. You know, this isn't, it's not popular to talk about like, our weaknesses. In our, in our culture today, we're all about strength. We're all about appearances. Nobody, you just look at social media. Nobody kind of Instagrams when they've had a fight with their spouse. You know, you don't see that on anyone's Instagram story. Nobody, nobody Facebooks about the amount of debt that they're in. Yeah? 
We're all about showing everybody how good things are for us. That's what we want to talk about. But the reality is that we, we, we are weak. The reality is that we, we don't have it all together. Paul knows this. More importantly, Jesus knows this. And so that's why he hasn't left us alone. That's why after death, there's, he comes to dwell inside of us. There's a new life inside of us. There's a new strength, there's a new joy, there's a new perspective, and there's a new wisdom that lives inside each one of us. And that has to be a reality every single day for us, or we will not make it. We will not manage to do the things and be the people that God's called us to be. Paul develops this thought a bit later. In Romans 8, verse 10 and 11, he says, But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through a spirit who dwells in you. We're meant to live his life with his power flowing in us, dwelling in us. But not just dwelling in us, flowing through us as well. That comes on to the next point, which is about dependence. Trusting him in everything. The scripture goes on, it says, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. The life we live now, we live by faith in the Son of God. Not feelings, not knowledge, not emotions, not experiences. Faith. Faith is, like, faith is assurance. Faith is trust. If you live by experiences, you'll repeat your experiences. It happens to all of us. We tend to live by our experiences. I'll, tell you, I'll give you one little story. When I, when I was in high school, um, I, uh, it was my last year of high school, and we, I was at an athletics track meet. You know, I was running, running 100-meter 100 100 sprints. I used to be a lot faster than I am right now. Um, right now, I'll be lucky if I can run to that door and back. But, uh, uh, but so 100-meter 100 100 sprints. I was on a Saturday morning, and um, I'd always come like, I don't know, out of 10, maybe like fifth or sixth in the races, in those races. I'd never really won them. Um, but uh, the night before, there'd been a big school dance. And so this is, uh, and so on the Saturday morning afterwards, um, let's just say a lot of the guys weren't feeling too healthy. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so we get ready, on your marks, get set, Go. As you know, you're supposed to keep your head down for the first kind of 20 meters. My head was down. But when I looked up, you know, and we were about 40, at about 40 meters, I realized I couldn't see anyone outside of my peripheral vision. There was no one ahead of me. Now, I knew, my experience taught me that this is not, this is not normal. <laughs> this is not normal. So, because normally there's at least two or three guys who are ahead of me. 
So I, thought, I start thinking, maybe there was a false start. I didn't realize it. I'm running here by myself. Everyone's back there. And so I committed the, the cardinal sin of sprinting, which is you should never look to the side. Now, if you're, if you're, you're saying bolt, you can do that because you're normally like five meters ahead of everyone else. But for everyone else, you can't. And so I, so I look to the side. And it slows you down by about 5 or 10%. As I look to the side, three guys come straight past. Because I'd lived according to my, I was living according to my experience. My experience was that I'm not supposed to be out in front. And I think this happens to so many of us. God's called us to something. We get off, we get going, we're running strong, and then we start to think, hey, this isn't, this isn't right. I'm not supposed to be, I'm not supposed to be getting, finding favor here. This door's not supposed to be open for me. And we start to doubt, and we turn our head, and in that moment, we lose what God's given us. Because we're meant to live by faith. You know, we hear that phrase, live by faith a lot. You know, you, we walk by faith, not by sight. Um, but w- w- what does it actually mean? Paul's very clear here. He says, it's faith in the Son of God. So it's not faith in a particular outcome. It's faith in a person. And that's so often where we get tripped up and where we get disillusioned, disappointed, because we have faith in a particular outcome that's, that we've kind of, got, got in, kind of got together in our minds. But we don't realize that our faith, the foundation, the source of our faith, is Jesus. When we look at Jesus, that's when, we can, that's when our peace and our joy can be secure because he never changes. Sometimes the outcomes, sometimes the things that we expect or the things that we have faith for, they, they don't happen. But if our faith isn't in Jesus and it's just in that outcome, our faith can be Weakened at best, torn apart at worst. Paul's so clear here. He says, you've got to know it's about Jesus. When you have doubt, look at Jesus. When you, when you come into confusion and worry, look at Jesus. Look at his words in the Gospels. Look at how he, look at how he speaks, how he acts in the Gospels. Try See the heart of God expressed in Jesus. Base your faith on that. You cannot trust yourself and Jesus. Sometimes we wonder, like, why, like why, why am I not seeing this life of Christ inside of me? Why am I not seeing you know, his power flowing through my life? And maybe a question to ask is, is there something that you're meant to have let go of? Are you trying to hold on to the life of Christ inside of you whilst at the same time, you're holding on to the thing that you're meant to get, you're meant to let be crucified. That happens to all of us. We want like like me on that bridge. We want to hold on to security. We want to hold on to what we know. And at the same time, we want to we want to try and trust God. And it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. 
because we're created to live in this dependence with God. We're created to live in this intimacy with him. Where when he walks, we walk. When he speaks, we follow. Not us trying to obey him whilst at the same time allowing ourselves to call the shots. I really believe there's some people here tonight where you know that God's been speaking to you about letting something die because he wants you to pick up something else. And tonight you're feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit because you know there's some decisions you have to make because he's calling you to greater things. And it's important that you realize that when God asks you to put down something, he's inviting you into something greater. He's inviting you into a life that you can't have imagined. The final part of this, of this verse, Paul says, Jesus who loved me and gave himself for me. This is devotion. And devotion, we normally use devotion in terms of our devotion to God, which is completely right, and that is that we need to be devoted to God. But devotion, devotion just means an outpouring of affection or a commitment to. And so in one sense, God is devoted to us. And because he's devoted to us, we can be devoted to him. Paul understood this. Paul says, for, for Paul, God's love, Jesus' love was so personal. It was so real. You know, he doesn't, I, I, I love it that he says, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, some people might say, well, that sounds a bit individualistic, you know. Like, Paul, aren't you a bit caught up in yourself there? But it's not. Every single one of us needs to have that revelation that God loves me. That Jesus died for me. When we're in church, we can hear that, that, that phrase, God loves, Jesus loves you, a lot. It can just remain a theological concept until it becomes an experienced reality. Nothing will change until you realize that Jesus loved you you, you, so much that he died for you. I like to sometimes imagine myself and some of the stories you find in the Gospels just to personalize Jesus' love. So I'll imagine myself and I'll be in Peter's seat at the Last Supper and Jesus comes to wash my feet and me full of pride saying, no, Jesus, no, no, don't do that for me. And then finally submitting myself to the love of Jesus. I think it's also, it's also helpful sometimes for us to imagine us standing in front of the cross and Jesus on the cross looking at us 
looking at you and saying, I love you. I'm doing this for you. He's saying that to us tonight. I love you and I did this for you. I gave myself for you. This is really what the Christian life's about. It's about letting our old die and receiving the life and the love of Jesus into us. This is the exchange. Our sin for his righteousness, our weakness for his strength, our rejection for his acceptance. This is what it means to have Jesus inside of us. I'm going to pray for us right now that we'd experience that together. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're speaking to us tonight about leaving behind the old, about allowing some things to die or letting some things that have been crucified remain crucified. I thank you that you convict our hearts tonight and that the love of Jesus would become so real, so tangible, so transforming for each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.